Hey, welcome back to Coffee Talk. Um, so this is actually take two because <laughs> we went about 10, 15 minutes um, on a recording we were just doing that went nowhere because we didn't have audio. But hopefully this time it has worked out. If anyone is watching this and is like, oh, hey, your audio is out. Maybe if you put down the message, we might read it. 10 minutes in, but no, actually, I'm just kidding. We should be okay, but if there's a problem, we'll figure it out, but I think we're okay. So today, we're actually talking about the rise of the nuns. Dump, 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 dump. Now, we're not talking about a religious order, right? We're talking about the religiously unaffiliated. So that's going to be our conversation today. So we have coffee talk, which naturally means we're drinking coffee, and in Monal's case here, also water. Um, but feel free to grab something, any drink that you like. Come and join us for this conversation. I think it's going to be good. We're going to break open the nuns. And we're going to kind of figure our way through it and just bat it around, see who they are, what we can do to approach them, and probably a lot more. Who knows where this conversation is going. Um, but another part of this is that we're doing a little giveaway. Now, if we'll take a look here, we have the Word on Fire Bible. Now, Ended up getting a little edition of this, thanks to Jesse Saltarelli for selling me on it. A couple of coffee talks before he was on, and he brought his edition and uh, instantly sold me on it. So, uh, what's interesting about this Bible is that it's not a full Bible. It's just the Gospels, but it is just about as thick as a normal Bible. So, they really dig into the Gospels here. But it's not just a, it's not just a theology book. What I like about this edition is that it really showcases the beauty of the faith and really gets to really highlighting the person of Christ just in the Gospels. It's a beautiful edition. And this giveaway here is that um, we're giving away really to two winners, but we're giving away four of these Bibles. So you get to keep one and then you get to give one away to a nun, um, to a friend, a nun. Well, really, whoever you want to give it to, but preferably somebody who needs a little Jesus in their life. What's good about this Bible is that it's beautiful, and it's written specifically for people who are away from the church, who are just unaffiliated, but who might be attracted by the beauty of the faith and the person of Christ. So it's great on just developing a relationship. Um, so to be able to do that, number one, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, be able to follow us on the Young Adult page on Instagram. And then number three, tag three people on Instagram. So that's what you have to do. And uh, by Monday, next Monday, we'll have winners. So hopefully you're one of those winners. That'd be great if you are. If you're not, stay tuned because there'll be hopefully other ways for you to get these things in the future. But um, anyways, with that being said, Brian, you want to start us in prayer? We can. Take two take two <laughs> and the father son holy spirit amen amen and we ask the lord to bless our conversation and to allow us to better understand your will for us open up our heart and our mind and our soul we ask this through christ our lord amen 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 so maybe to get this ball started what is a nun? And actually, you had a great question about who the nuns are that we were batting around. You didn't get a chance to hear that, but um, we're going to rehash that. But starting with what the nuns are, back in the 1970s, the nuns consisted of about 5% of the population. 
as of 2019. Uh, so like almost 50 years, almost 50 years. Yeah, almost 50 years of <sighs> having some decline here mm -hmm. of organized religion. And then seeing, um, as of 2019, about 29% of the population considering themselves a nun. Now, what's interesting for our conversation, it, what, obviously for the general conversation, but um, specifically with youth and young adult ministry is the highest percentage of nuns is with young adults, in particular the millennials. Gen Z is going to be even uh, heavier hit with this, but 40% of millennials consider themselves a nun. And Amano brought up a good question, like, who are the nuns? You know, and so maybe you can kind of rehash that question and maybe we can kick that around and start there. So, yeah, so there's, um, I guess, um, what we, the definition we came to is sort of like a, a more blanket version of the term nun, um, which would include, um, just as some examples of subgroups, um, atheists who, um, have a, a claim about the existence of God, just an opposite claim to the one that religious people have agnostic people who have no claim one way or the other about the existence of God, and then people who have some sort of spiritual or religious belief that is not tied to a uh, specific religion. I like what you said that like it's um, they're like untethered from anything in particular and not like checking a box and saying like, this is my religion, just kind of believing. Mm. So why is that? relevant like why is that important why is it something that we're even talking about today like why is it just not all eh, eh, good for them you know like, like why is this even something we should be talking about what does this mean i think by nature though as christians go out and proclaim right and, and that's what so there there's the tension like we're kind of called to do something about this but it's gonna fall maybe on deaf ears yeah maybe when uh when I was growing up, I would always hear like um, people like like atheists and agnostic people like say like I don't understand like why religious people feel the need to like you know force their beliefs on me you know and like I mean as a as a kid I was never really brave enough to say this but I was like well at the end of every mass they say go forth and proclaim the good news like we have like an imperative to actually like, go out and tell people about Jesus so that's why we do that and that's why this is important i think mm. what do you think lauren go yeah. back go back to the father schmitz thing okay i was like i don't remember where i started okay um where did that stem from you asked how to how did you start that well first you were talking about your, your your jewish friend right okay and then and then you mentioned uh father schmitz who had a friend okay yeah so i was pretty much saying that like um I heard from Father Mike Schmitz, he was telling the story about his friend and someone who was very close to him, like one of his closest friends and how, yeah, because we got in the discussion before when the audio wasn't working about like how to, is it uncomfortable bringing up religion with people who are non-religious and stuff and like how to go about that. And Father Mike Schmitz was telling a story about his non-religious friend and how they'd had discussions, but it was so uncomfortable and they kind of just shied away from it in the future. And that one day his friend said to him, like, it, God is the most important thing in your life, right? And Father Mike Schmitz was like, yeah, for sure. And his friend said it made him feel very unimportant 
to Father Mike Schmitz that he doesn't want to share the most important thing in his life with him. And so then Father Mike Schmitz said he kind of changed his perspective on how to go about sharing it, that it's not really um, condemning people for not believing what you believe, but going about sharing what's most important to you to the people who are important to you. Because like Amano said, that's like our job to do so. So, yeah. And then how do you how do you make the difference between being pushy and, and inviting? Um, well, yeah, I guess that's where I started with my one friend who was grew up Jewish when she was young. And as soon as she was old enough to like make the choice for herself, she chose to not practice any religion and became atheist pretty much and just didn't believe in God altogether. And over the years, I met her, we were friends since we were like six. So over the years when we were a little bit older, we had like one discussion about God. And I guess neither one of us were really mature enough to talk about it in an adult way. So it kind of just ended in yelling and like didn't go well. Cause I was like, well, you have to believe in God. Like, like he loves you and like, you don't even care. And it, you know what I mean? It was just a way that was like, not the way to, as a young child, and like my mom always said like God. And so it was just like, not the, not the move, but so it ended not well. And we never talked about God again up until like three months ago, maybe or whatever. And the approach I took this time, I realized who I've also taken with other people that have brought this up to me is she kind of came to me and was talking to me about how she's just having a lot of anxiety about like not going anywhere after she dies. And like she's chosen to just not practice anything because it just it's always felt very forced to her that when she was young, she would be brought like by her family or whatever to like the temple and just forced to pray in a certain way that made sense to them and didn't make sense to her. And she said she had always felt so forced to have a relationship with God that the relationship itself didn't develop. That she said she would pray every day with her family and never once did she feel connected to God. She just like felt so forced to do something that she didn't enjoy and that felt like work to her. And she was saying like now that she's older and she's like well i see people like you and other people who are like so happy being religious and having a relationship with god and and then she just went into like i don't want to change my whole life and i feel like this is where a lot of people my age or our age and a little younger and older really struggle is she was like well i feel like i've just always felt so unaccepted by like god because you know i'm not this perfect christian i'm not i was never perfect like Jewish person I just like kind of am living my own life and therefore like a relationship with God just doesn't fit into that because I need to change who I am pretty much is kind of the aspect she took and um but she got to thinking about backing up a little bit what, what, <laughs> what you said she was wondering where we go from after this life yeah that was her big question so she got she started thinking about those type of questions yeah she said it was really stressing her out about that and so that's when I brought up, you know, heaven, obviously. And um, do you think she was starting to take ownership? I think so, a little bit, yeah. Um, ownership of what, like, like, like her faith and where she oh, believes, you know, like. Yeah, I think she was just wanting. I think she just realized she'd been such a set atheist that she realized she isn't really set in either direction. That she just has no idea, and she was looking to me for some guidance as to why I feel the way I feel. And um, her and other friends I've had have brought up very similar points to me about feeling like, honestly, kind of judged in the church. And 
I feel as Christians and Catholics even and stuff, unintentionally, sometimes we can come off not as accepting as we should. And I think that sometimes, very unintentionally, but can come off wrong to people who don't believe because they feel kind of not, um, like they don't measure up to us in our eyes. And I think that's where a struggle is. At least for her, she was like, well, I've done this, I do that, like this is how I live my life. Like, you know, I've I've gone to the temple and everything and, and I just feel very kind of condemned for being who I am and stuff. And what I'd realized the best approach to take isn't to like, be like, well, yeah, you shouldn't do that. This is not the way to live or like, yeah, God's disappointed because of this or to throw a bunch of facts at her. But there's a quote in Corinthians. I don't remember which one exactly. It was or it was one Corinthians that listed a bunch of things of you can praise God and worship God this way, that way and this way. But above all of these are love or is love. And so I think it's our priority as Christians to make sure the first impression we give about God to other people is love before any other thing. I think sometimes we can become so focused on all the little things which are very important, but that take time for people, especially who are very new to the faith. And sometimes I think that pushes people away from God in our generation um, because they feel like they're just following a rule book and if they don't do this exactly right, God won't accept them. And I think that's that was a struggle for her and other people I knew. And so I made sure when talking to her that the first thing I told her was, God loves you so much exactly as you are. If you don't change one thing about yourself, he will accept and love you. Like, that's that. It. And she started crying, actually. And that was what really got through to her, that she doesn't have to change. Not saying you shouldn't strive to be the best you can be, but that you don't have to change to be loved and accepted by God. That he looks at you exactly as you are and thinks that is enough. And I think people who are non-believers don't hear that enough. I think in the church they hear a lot more like, well, yeah, you need to make sure you're following these right or when it's judgment day, which is true, but you, you know, you'll go to hell or you're not living how God asked you to live. But I think the first thing they need to hear about is his overwhelming love for you that can't be fulfilled by anyone else. So you just brought it down to a relationship. Yeah, exactly. Instead of rules. Yeah. I think that's where you need to start with people who are non-religious. Mono, what's your take? Yeah, I'd definitely second that. Um, I think, yeah, what another thing is that, like, I think people, I think if you if you live in habitual sin, right, like, I mean, if, you, if you're a non-believer, obviously you wouldn't call it that. But if you live in habitual sin, you begin to believe that that is your identity, that in some way that is who you are, which is not true, right? We are not actually defined by our sin. There is no sin you can commit that will become a part of who you are because you are made in the image and the likeness of God. So, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can I make a distinct? Can it be? Yeah, it, it can. It can be a part, but it doesn't define right. who you are. Right. Exactly. Like okay. you are, like you are not the sins you commit. You know. Right. Like so, if someone feels like, oh, like I'm gonna have to change who I am, it's like, well, no, you you don't actually have to change who you are. You have to live into who you who you were meant to be. Right. Um, and like. I mean, that's what confession is for, right? Like, if, if you are failing to live into the person that you're supposed to be, like, that's what that's there for. And, you know, like, giving people the reality that, like, well, there actually is a practical way you can be rid of the things that you have done in the past. Because, I mean, in, like, you know, if we look at, like, other religions and stuff, you know, you you might, like, 
I was actually listening to like this uh, ex ex Protestant who became Catholic, and he was like, you know, the, the devil would always attack me and tell me, well, I'm not, you're not really forgiven, because like, I mean, you know, they believe that they're forgiven, but they don't have confession, so they don't like really know, right? Like, how do you know really that God is forgiving you? What if he just decides not to? But we have like a practical sign of that, um, and I think, like, I mean, there's um, there's like a there's a metaphor that I think who was it? It was Matt Frad. He he talked about evangelization that um, it's a three story building. So the the first uh, level of the building is theism, right? Like the belief that there is some sort of God or gods, right? The second level is Christianity, and then the third level is Catholicism. You can't take someone from like the sort of wilds of atheism around the building and hoist them up to like con- transubstantiation and the papacy and all that. Like you, you can't just like you can't make that leap. You have to like you know you have to like sort of ascend gradually, right? Like if you have someone who's like a, been a staunch atheist their whole life, you can't be like you know well, this is why you should believe in Jesus. You have to get them to accept the premise that, like, believing in God is reasonable. Um, and I think that's... Um, Matt Fred, I, I watched a, 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 video, a video series about evangelization with him. It was really interesting. Um, he talked about, like, these um, actually... Um, these arguments that atheists would make that are actually fallacies. Um, one of them is that, um, essentially, like, that atheism is the default position. Um which is actually not true. They, they really try to hammer this home, but it isn't. Agnosticism is actually the default position because in agnosticism, you don't make a claim about whether God exists or not because really there isn't, there is arguably evidence one way or the other, but there's not strong enough evidence for it to be a settled issue, right? Like we can't say, here is, here is the scientific evidence for exactly why God exists. You can't point to, here's the scientific evidence for exactly why God doesn't exist. That just, that isn't out there. So it's actually not reasonable to say like that, well, I'm an atheist because, you know, well, that's just like the default. It's like, no, like you, you have to be convinced one way or the other. Um, And yeah, the, and I think the, so that's like the atheism category, right? Um, Atheism, agnosticism. And then you have like the people who are sort of like have beliefs, but like are not really like tied to anything. And I think that that comes out of like the like genuine problems that have been seen within organized religions, such as like the priest scandals and stuff like that. People are like, they see that and they're very scared off, which is understandable. But I mean, and can I, can I I challenge you? Like I'll accept that at face value. Right. Could there be an element of laziness? Mm. Now I think, I think yes, with maybe agnosticism. Okay. Right. If you're now, I guess it depends on the atheist, but like you're not like very convicted. I'd say you're probably really more in the agnosticism category, and that could be agnosticism can come from two directions. One can be humility. You can be you can have the the you can have the self awareness to realize I don't know everything, and so I really don't know one way or another. So that can be one reason a person can be humble. Um, another reason can be laziness, right? But then I think the people who are just sort of like, yeah, like I, I believe in God. I guess like if you're kind of like a, the term is deist, um, if you believe in God, but like not in any way that sort of changes how you behave, that can also be laziness. But there are some people I think who are like, um, 
who have, again, been scared off. Um, but for those people, I mean, I would say, like, look at everything that's been done since all of that. Like, like not just Catholicism, but other religious groups have made practical changes to make sure that, you know, abuse does not happen. And it, it's like, it's not like insubstantial stuff either. Like, I, I'd argue that the, the changes we've made are pretty rigorous. Mm -hmm. So I think to get to those people... I mean, you, you have like a, a really practical thing you can kind of offer them of like, well, you actually are safe. I, w I would maybe steer clear of the impact that I think maybe, uh, you know, like laziness or. Oh, I agree. I'll, I'll take it at face value. You know, because. You, 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 <laughs> <he, he>, uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. Sure. You're just lazy. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. like, my I agree. I agree. I'm just. I, I think it's a question worth asking. Mm -hmm. But I'll take my face value. I I think maybe for a lot of the fallen away Catholics who've grown sleepy, you know, in in faith, um, who have stepped away, and I've I've seen this in a number of my own personal relationships, um, where they they have never been, I don't want to say fully initiated, but they have never been invited into a relationship with Jesus. They've grown up. Just doing the thing, right? They they've been through religion classes. Pray, they went pay, to pray, confirmation. Pray, obey. Yeah, you know, like just right. obey. Just do the thing, right? Yeah. You're doing it because grandma did it, and that's why you're. And yeah. so, right. that's not a conversion of the heart. That's not going to inspire anybody into action. Right. Where that is where um, we're called into. It's like when Saint Paul calls, you know, transform your mind, mm -hmm. you know, and we're called into that transformation. That's what that relationship does. And maybe for somebody who's been sleepy of the faith, who's just been sitting back and just kind of, um, they're not inspired into transformation. They're, they don't see the purpose and they haven't experienced Christ in a way that transforms the heart. Um, and, and maybe that's our fault as the church, you know, of just having bad catechesis, bad evangelization for who knows how many generations, you know, and, and we're, we're reaping the toxic fruit of that. Um, so what, what do we do to be able to re-invite and re-engage um, nuns who might be untethered out in the winds? I think, yeah, like a gradual sort of process and also i think well the first step before you actually do anything is the acknowledgement that only the holy spirit converts and there is nothing you can do to make someone believe anything yeah i was thinking that too um you have to realize that because if you go in with the mindset of like i'm going to convert this person you're you're not going to succeed um so i think what lauren said was really good about just like you know offering people a relationship Another thing is I think like just like baby steps, just like again, like you're kind of trying to get get up the stairs in the house, right? Like um, what I did for one of my friends, uh, he um, he's very appreciative of gifts. So if you give him a gift, he's gonna he's not gonna be like, okay, thank you, and then just like throw it away and never use it. So I gave him um, a a my textbook um, from my uh, world religions class. Um, and obviously that covers like not just Christianity, not just Catholicism, but like everything. And I figure the way I see it, 
like there's truth in all things or most things maybe um and i i'm going to trust the holy spirit to kind of at least pull at his heart to see like maybe there's something to something right if he comes out of that book a devout buddhist praise god if he comes out of that if he comes out of it a um a catholic priest praise god if he comes out of it unchanged <laughs> praise god because i can't do anything practically to change his heart i can just give him an opportunity another i did something similar for another friend um he he's at he's recently actually been asking me questions like about like religious topics like he he asked me like sort of like if he he, he basically asked me like what the theology of the end of the world is like what that looks like and if like a sort of um literal interpretation of revelation does not happen if that would disprove christianity and we had a whole conversation about that it was very good um so i gave him a book about um about uh people who have had near-death experiences um because it cites a lot of sources and i think some of them are actually like pretty rock solid and it's kind of like hard to argue that the soul does not exist based on these accounts because they're just like so many things would have to line up that like Occam's razor would just say, well, the simplest solution here would actually be that people have a soul and that it goes somewhere when you die. Um, and so I think part of that is, yeah, like meeting people where they're at. Like he's a, he's one of those like more like, like he's not just like a loosey goosey atheist. He's like, he's like a guy who's like been like very like, he's very logically oriented. He like, he believe he believes that there is no God because of logical arguments. So I figure putting evidence in front of him is going to be something that will engage his mind. Well, you you both had friends that knew they could come to you, yeah. right? They ultimately came yeah. to you for those questions. Yeah. How does it work if it's it's like a generation thing? Like, mm-hmm. all right, fine, you, your friend, your friend, but would they go to their parents or their grandparents, or mm-hmm. would they go to? Would they look to another generation or would they try to stay within? What do you think? Well, and I, I know you don't know the yeah. answer, but I'm just wondering if you would. Like, would they go to their parents? Is that yeah. what you're saying? I, in my experience, I don't not. think so. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. From my friend's standpoint, I've been talking to her about God and she begged me not to let her parents know. Okay. Because she does not want them to know. How come? Because they're very, very strict on the Jewish faith and, and, they're great people. I love her parents, but I, I guess I think when you're so and this might be a little bit debatable, but I think when you're so so strict on all the exact key points, you forget the biggest message of love and of acceptance because you're so caught up on so many little things that we forget the biggest picture of going out into the world and showing God to people. And I think she's been so by her parents and by the temple she went to so like she's had just like the rules shoved on her throat and i think it really pushed her away and especially by her parents growing up and they didn't intend to like i think all of us can easily fall into that trap of like someone brings up god to us and we just won't stop talking when we need to stop and listen to the questions they have and be like okay i totally understand that and and be like yeah like that makes sense and not be like okay well in the Bible, like, I feel like when you're too much, then they're like, this is why I did not get involved here. Like, this is way too much. And I think, I don't, I guess it depends on the parents you have, to be honest. But with this friend, she did not want to go to her parents because, like, they're so hardcore Jewish, too, that they also 
if they found out she was asking questions about Christianity, they also would not like that. But I think our generation is kind of turned away from talking to their parents because they feel like I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, this is a different generation now. Like we didn't grow up like our parents, like things are different, like Mm -hmm. with so many aspects. And I think that they go to their parents, like, well, that's how they were raised, but the world's so different now. So I think for a lot of people, they don't want to go to their parents about it, especially if I've found, I have other friends that were like this too. If, if you grew up, I don't know, I guess this depends on the person, but if you grew up with seriously strict parents, Catholic or Jewish or any religion, but they were like extremely strict on you, you're probably going to be more likely to pull away when you're older. We're honestly, and this is also a debatable topic, but I had parents growing up that were all very Catholic, but they didn't, I guess they were, I don't want to say more laid back, but weren't so harsh on me that I was more interested to come to the faith myself because I didn't feel like it was so shoved at me all the time. They were very open to just I don't want to say letting me figure it out myself, but kind of just bringing me to church, like, you know, talking to me about God, but not constantly making me feel like if I moved the wrong way, God was disappointed in me or something, or God didn't approve. And it made me more open and willing to make my own relationship, not because it was forced on me, but because I wanted it. And I'm not saying all parents, I guess it depends on the parents you have, but I feel like when people go away from the faith after being raised, in the faith, it's because their parents were, like, very strict on the faith with them, I guess, is what I've seen, at least. Interesting. In my experience, yeah, they probably wouldn't go to their parents, but actually for the opposite reason, because in both cases, their parents were not religious. Mm. Um, I guess, like, for one of them, he has, like, a non-practicing Jewish mother, which is, like, the closest he has to, like, religious family. Um, but, yeah, I mean... That's another thing of like catechesis. Um, those are examples of like bad catechesis. Um, but then there are examples of like, you know, good catechesis, like what you had. I think, I mean, obviously, this is a more long term generational kind of evangelization of, of just like raising your children in faith, but in a way that isn't like necessarily so rules oriented, but to like, emphasize that relationship and to emphasize like this is what we believe and this is why because i think that's another thing is like a lot of people are not taught why they are just said it's like well this is what we believe and you got it's either our way or the highway but it's like well actually like for most of our positions we have like actually like genuinely good reasons for believing what we believe and like we have like and like they're not just like well this is what the bible says most of like our things are like well this is like you can actually just come to this from a logical perspective yeah you know we got two thousand years of tradition right and explaining that to people and like giving that to people can work not only for like raising children but just for like you know evangelizing in general Hmm. what would bring them back Hmm. Or, or what would get people interested like you were talking about confession earlier, mm-hmm. that that that's something tangible, right? And and it appeals to me, mm-hmm. right? But would it appeal to a right friend of yours that has no clue about forgiveness or God right. or right? And again, it's that like, come on back, you can go to confession, right? 
it's that it's that like three tiered house again, right? Like you can't just drag people to confession, right? Like you have to take steps to get there. It's why um like, um I don't know if you've ever heard the term seeker sensitive. Um, this is a thing in uh, non-denominational Protestant churches. They try to make the barrier to entry as low as humanly possible. So, like, I mean, like, I was watching this this one YouTuber who was, like, talking about, like, a church meeting he had where, like, all the leaders got together and they talked about their favorite coffee shops. Why? Because that's, like, part of their church experience is you, you grab a cup of coffee and you come in for the worship service, right? There you go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, trying to... I guess lower that barrier of entry. Um, I think, I imagine with Catholicism specifically, it might uh, the barrier of entry might be a little higher than it is in Protestant churches because it's like, why are we? Why is there all this standing and kneeling and what's going on? Um, so, like, I mean, if you're bringing someone to mass, like, really just like explaining, like, okay, so this is why we're doing this, and that's again, that's definitely not like the first step. I think something like fiat actually is a very good um, sort of first step because like anyone can engage with music. Like music is very accessible for anyone. Like, you know, you can, music just naturally, emotionally moves people. And, you know, getting people in the door and like hearing like, okay, like they have cool music and I feel very moved by this experience. They're like, the people up there are saying like really interesting stuff. And like, you know, yeah, like the, the, the bread and the, the gold stick like being carried around might be a little weird but like just kind of like that gradual like bringing people in of like okay so like this is why it's like you may you may have felt moved by the music but really the movement was caused by the holy spirit who is present because like we're all gathered here together and like kind of that gradual um bringing in to the faith just as a side note so so for the audience the fiat yeah. It, um, that that Amano's referring to it, it's a Eucharistic conference, and, and and we do it once a month, and we invite a, a guest speaker to talk about a particular topic, and uh, we got some really good music, praise and worship music, and then we we have uh, Eucharistic adoration, uh, and then an option for those at the end if, if they want us to pray with them, we will do that too. So, just just to, to clue in the yeah. the people that might not understand. But you think that might be something of interest? Yeah, I think because, I mean, well, you think about it, right? It's non-threatening? I don't think so because, I mean, you think about it, like, that is probably the closest thing we have to, like, a traditional Protestant worship service. And I think, I'm I'm not totally sure on this, but I think that, like, non-denominational Protestantism has been very successful because of its accessibility. And that's prob- that's certainly more accessible than the Mass, I would think. Um, and, but then like, you know, if you're, if you're starting to build that, you know, you're build an understanding with someone of like why these things are important, then once you get them to mass, then they'll be more accepting and they'll be like, okay, like I can understand why I would want to come to this every week. Is there a difference between minimizing the, the, the boundary? Wait, what was the term you used? The barrier to entry. Barrier to entry. So, so minimizing. Is there a distinction between minimizing that barrier versus dumbing down the faith? Mm, that's. A- and, and actually, I was, I was thinking about that myself um, because I've seen it on the other side, where the the beauty of the mass, and even some of the the traditionalists will say, 
you go all in and you you show the Latin mass mm-hmm. and you just show right. like you bring out the bells and the whistles because it shows and highlights the importance and the effort mm-hmm. that we put in behind it and that you see a beauty of what liturgy is because mm-hmm. we're 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 rolling out the red carpet for the Lord like this mm-hmm. is of importance to us so we're we're giving all we got to it you know because I, I've, I've seen it both ways you right. know because we've got the chapel that's not right. far from here and you know, a lot of uh, a lot of folks have have gone to that because it, it is very like entry level. I don't I don't want to say entry level. I don't want to say that, but it's right. it's easy to, to come into and be like, okay, right. you know, like, oh, okay, you know, it's, where you know you come to mass and yeah, that barrier to entry. If if you're away from it or if you've been right. sleepy as a, a Catholic to begin with, you're like, I don't get this, you know. Where you can walk in and be like, I get this, right. you know, like right on face value. And I think so much of it is going to come down to like an individual basis. Um, and like, obviously you like, I mean, if you're, if you're evangelizing random people, then you're not going to know which side they fall on. But some people are going to be more like enticed by that, like high liturgy, like, wow, like there's a bunch of things going on. Like, what is this? Um, other people are going to be more enticed by that. Like, okay, this is accessible. Um, and it's just, I guess, comes down to a prudence of knowing like which to engage the person with. So Maddie has joined the conversation here. She says, definitely fiat is good entry. We talk about the gospel and sing and pray. It's good. So I don't know if I'm using Maddie's inflections here. Sorry, Maddie. But uh, you get the Adam Jarosz filter. But yeah, thank you for sharing on that. that that's great. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting. Lauren, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's easier to kind of come in at a, a ground level or do you think introducing the like that that high liturgy that that beauty of the church in a different way is the way to go i guess personally like i'm almost said it depends on the person but like personally i hate to say ground level but i guess i i don't think you should take the approach of i know i have friends who are kind of trying to talk to God, not sure how to do it. And if I brought them just to mass and sat them down for an hour, they'd be like, this just feels like school. Like I know people who'd be like, no, like, and personally, (laughs) yeah. um, Personally, the approach I have taken that I've actually worked for more than just this one friend is just, is, I don't like saying entry level, but just sharing the main message of love and the main ideas of, you're accepted exactly as you are. Like, like I remember my one friend was like panicking because of all the big stuff. She was like talking to me not long ago and she was like, well, I was like, why don't you just like have a conversation with God? I was like just listening to her. I wasn't throwing a bunch of facts at her because she was bringing up, well, I have, this is my life. I do this, that like God's like not going to accept me. And I was like, that's not true. He does accept you, but I didn't get into, yeah, you really shouldn't because I just feel like it's also not, it's our place to judge the action, not the person. And I know that we all say like, sorry, I'm kind of taking this in like a little bit of a different direction, but like, I know we can all say like, oh no, I do just judge the action, but it is so easy for us to come off judgmental to other people. And I know none of us intend to, but I have had like family say to me, I feel so judged by you. Like you're going to church and I'm doing this. And I feel like you're just telling me like, or I feel like not telling you because I would never say that because I was so confused, but like, I feel like you're just looking at me like, oh, like I, you're like holier or better than me and like you're just doing this and that and I'm not and it's like 
I almost think like we need to make more of an active approach to not come off that way because that really turns people away. Um, and for like going to mass and stuff and throwing it all at them, I just think for me, for my experience with people, it's just not the way to do it. Because like I was saying, my one friend was like, well, like she grew up Jewish and just had all that stuff thrown at her and it just made her not want a relationship because it just felt like rules. And like, that's not what God wants. He don't want it to feel that way. And so she was like, I told her, like, why don't you just say a prayer? And she, I was surprised when she said that. She's like, but I don't know how to read the Bible. Like, I can't say a prayer. And I was like, no, like, you don't have to, you don't have to open the Bible to say a prayer. You can literally just say like, hey, God, good morning. This is what I'm feeling right now. And she looked at me so confused. She's like, what? Like, are you serious? I was like, yeah. Like, she didn't even know that. She thought, because of the way she was raised, but she thought you had to learn and understand the entire Bible in order to say a prayer to God. And I think as Christians and just as people of God, we need to all do a better job of portraying that that's not how it has to be done personally. You know what I mean? Like, not that we do that intentionally, but I just think we can become so focused on, like, read scripture, read scripture, which you definitely should do 100%. But, like, with people coming into it, in order to kind of hook them in a little bit, you need to start with the relationship aspect. I guess it depends on the person, like you said. Like, if you're talking to someone more logical, I guess all my friends, including myself, is more, like, emotional-based, not logical-based. So that might be a difference in person. But, like, I told her, I'm like, you don't – what God is asking of you right now is not to read and memorize the whole Bible. I'm like, he's just asking for you to say one word to him. Like, she has not spoken to him since she was a little kid. And I'm like, he's not asking you – in fact, I don't even think that'd be the best way to do it, to open the Bible and try to understand it and to try to figure out all these rules and how you need to change your whole life. She's like, or I was like, all he's asking of you is to say like, hello, like, like, like I even told him, like, if all you do is say hello to him today, that's, that's enough for him. Like, that's what he's asking of you because she was, you know what I mean? Starting out and that is way less intimidating to someone coming into the faith than I feel like bringing up. I know if it were me, that would work better for me too. Um, and then she continued to ask me questions and I would send her videos that were like Father Mike Schmidt's videos or just shorter, quicker videos that were inviting and not like a priest talking for like an hour. And the more you get into the faith, the more you're interested in that stuff. But when you're starting out, like you just like, we need to make sure they feel not intimidated, but invited and also not like an outsider. Like, wow, this is so much that they all understand that. I don't like I don't fit in we don't want to give the impression like oh yeah you don't really fit in until you learn all this like that's not how you should feel coming into the faith and I don't think that's how you invite people in I think you need to look at them like I'm a sinner you're a sinner we're equal like I'm no better than you you're no better than me God doesn't accept or love me more because I have grown up with a relationship with him and you haven't and I think we just need to do a better job at like making sure people feel like I don't know, just more comfortable and not condemned at all and not like looked down upon or just not that we're like judging them, I guess. I just feel like. How do we control that though? I, and that, that, I mean, if I'm sharing something and like you're being judgy. Like, right. You know, I, you know I, I'm not trying to, but yeah. I'm just trying to, to be honest with you. I'm trying to, to share with you. But you're yeah. being judgy. I think, yeah, sometimes I think it's just a prudence of like, because I mean, I think those things that might come off as judgy are probably true. 
right? Like those things of like, well, this thing that you're not doing is <laughs> this thing that you're doing or not doing is maybe not ideal, right? That's pro- so, that's like yeah. it's probably true, but the thing is sometimes like you have to be prudent about like, okay, is this the right moment to say that? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's just like, like kind of what Lauren is saying, like maybe like when someone is just coming in, don't like say like, well, like these are all the things you're doing wrong. You know, like maybe that's some, those, those are conversations that happen later down the line. Um, and I, I, there was something that you said that I thought was really good about like, about like the, how God loves you so much. I think like sort of like a good step after that would be like, to practically point to the things that say that God loves you, like like little scripture passages that say like, you know, like that talk about God's love. Cause then like that's a way to say like, okay, like you're you're at the you're at the stage where you're understanding that God loves you, but here's the Bible that actually says that. And if you send people those kinds of things, maybe they'll see like, okay, well there is value in the Bible and then they can engage in scripture. And that's like I think a really good step to get people more into like the the higher level stuff. So there's a, uh, I'd say a phrase that goes around. I forget who the quote is attributed to. Maybe it's Augustine. Faith seeks understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, do you know who says that? No, but understanding seeks faith. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry. I've heard the, I know what you're talking about yeah. though. I've heard it go. But what I'm hearing from both of you is starting at that faith piece and not so much on the understanding, you know, of, mm. and, and I think that's, that's certainly a prudent way of doing it. But, um, I think when we take a look at all of this, what I have to give props to you is that first step of engaging because you can step away and you've, you've both have brought up examples of people in your life that you have engaged with this. And I think for the faithful who are listening, to be bold and listen to that prompting of the Holy Spirit of, ah, I should probably say something right now. Or, you know, we've never talked about this and I, I feel like I need to maybe bring this up to this person. Like maybe they're at a low in their life or there was just an opportune moment when you're driving around in the car and the conversation comes up and maybe naturally you just kind of shift away from it. But in those moments of saying, I'm going to take action right now. Um, and, and that is a decision. That's a decision moment of saying, I'm going to do this right now. You know, I'm going to initiate or I'm going to follow the Spirit's lead with this. Um, because it, just in that moment right there is not an act of just understanding, but it's kind of a leap of faith of jumping into that, of saying, I don't know where this is going to go, but okay. You know, like, <laughs> uh, bleh. You know, and maybe you don't know exactly what you have to say, but just to start the conversation gives the path for the spirit to work, right? Because at the end of the day, we're we're instruments of the Lord, and if we're not open to being used as an instrument, then we're 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 not making that doorway happen, you know, and, and open for the Lord. So. Is it easier to say something if you got that relationship already? Oh, I would imagine so, yeah. I can't imagine stepping in and cold calling somebody and saying, uh, let me talk to you about 
Lord Jesus. You know? <laughs> he loved and, you. Yeah. But, but, but on the other side of that, too, I mean, you do have people who are going door to door. You have yeah. evangelists out there yeah. um, who are engaging cold calling. Maybe they're sitting in a park. Maybe they're going door to door. You've had some experience with that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't say that there's right way. I don't know if anyone can say there's right way or wrong way. I mean, that maybe there's more effective ways than, than not. But back to your point, like the Holy Spirit is one who's initiating these things. You can't do it without him. So. Who knows how you're going to get there? Yeah, I don't know if any of you have ever seen uh, Justin Coe. Um, he's like a he's a YouTuber. He's a Seventh Day Adventist Christian, um, and his um, I, I haven't really watched much of his stuff, but he, apparently his channel like made a profound shift at one point where he originally he was just making videos about like the Christian life and stuff like that, and then it just completely shifted to having conversations with people, and that's what the entire channel became. Um, one of the big ones was um, he did a series with his pagan barber. His barber was a literal pagan. Um, and he just started talking to him. And by the end of the series, um, he baptizes and uh, does officiates the wedding ceremony for this guy. Hmm. He becomes a Christian just because he started having a conversation with him. And like he gave this advice and said, like, if you want to like start having these conversations, you don't have to you don't have to go out of your way. Just talk to the people that are already in your path. And that's daunting for me personally, like to just talk to like random people, like just in general, let alone about faith is a really daunting idea to me. But I think, I mean, if you can sort of grow in the the humility to say like, yeah, like this conversation may or may not go well, you know, like you, you can really like dive into that and again, give your, give the Holy Spirit a chance to work in you. Can you compare relationship between you and God along with a human relationship that you have with somebody? You know, like like my wife, mm-hmm. right? And, and I love her. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll go out of my way to do th- special things for her, you know, to strengthen that relationship. Mm-hmm. Can, could, could that strategy work? Mm-hmm. Or is it too lofty? Mm-hmm. Or, I guess I don't understand the question. Do you mean like, like, like the, the you were telling your friend, just tell tell God hello. Mm-hmm. I can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But 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 if you were to say something like the relationship that you have with her, it sounds like it's it's a it's a loving relationship, mm-hmm. right? And and because of that friendship that you have, it sounds like you would be respectful of each other, and you would probably do things for each other. You know, little signs of love. Could 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 you draw that analogy to the relationship between somebody and God? I think so. I I've definitely said that, but I've kind of implied like, all right, like who do you? I think I've talked to her about like how much you love somebody and this and that, and that like God's love really overpowers that. Like that's the mm, one way I've okay. talked about it. With so the human relationship might is kind of be, uncomparable. It's limited. Yeah, but I've kind of also. Um, yeah, I've talked to her a little bit about, or at least some other people too, like, oh, like how much you love this person and like God's love for you kind of surpasses all of the other people's like love. Like that's the only relationship that'll be fulfilling and it doesn't really compare to a human relationship. So I guess I've kind of compared it, but yeah, that's a, that's a train of thought that I've used before. Um, like my friend was just asking me like for like advice about like a situation he was doing with and i was like dude like 
like i mean I, like he he actually asked me to um help him because like i'm a psych major and so he thought i'd have insight in that direction but little did he know i was going to pull out the fact that i'm a theology major too on him um but i was like i was like dude like it's the same sort of idea like you know like this person has failed you and like so is everyone else gonna fail you like i'm gonna fail you your your friends are gonna fail you we're all gonna fail you but the only person who never fails is god and I was like, for me personally, like, that's kind of how I've gotten through this kind of situation. So in a sense, I, there's not as much I can do to help you because I, like, this is my entire frame of reference is that, like, you know, I, I always have recourse to God. And so I, I, I mean, I wasn't saying, like, you should become a Christian, but it was kind of like the little nudge of, like, well, like, this is there's like a practical there's a practicality to religion that i think people fail to recognize i think that's kind of again part of the whole like atheist narrative um is that like you know religion is kind of like this thing of the past that just restricts how you behave and stuff it's like well there's there's actually a lot of like kind of what you were talking about the beauty of it like there's beauty in community there's beauty in relationship with god you know there's all these things that like and there's a beauty in having a direction for your life and understanding like what you should and should not do the, like the how like in a practical way you grow in virtue like there, there's all of these beautiful things about religion that i think people do not recognize when they're outside of it mm. kind of going off of that I, I feel like i hear from people a lot especially when i was uh i spent a lot of time cooking before i became youth minister i've, I've told plenty of stories about that yeah. but a lot of the guys that I was working with, you know, we'd be on the line and we would talk about everything under the sun. I mean, everything. You think about it, it was talked about, you know, and religion would come up. And there were so many times when, and back in the day, I loved a good debate. I still do, you know, I don't get to do it nearly as much, but man, you'd be on this line and you know, you'd bat it around all the time. And religion was always one of those topics. And um, you had you had guys who were just so bitter against faith because of all the toxic things about religion, mm -hmm. right? That they never saw the beauty that religion and faith can bring into a life. And I remember one guy in particular, and it's not the guy I've told stories about, but there's mm -hmm. this other guy who was just so angry at the faith. You know, he said, well, you know, every war has been started because of religion. You know, and I was like, that's a... That's a bold statement, you know, um, and I don't actually think that's true, but, but that's just where he was coming at. It was like, if there was no religion, there wouldn't be problems in the world, okay. which is just one of those, like, you've, you have missed the message, you know, you have missed the, like, you have never seen the beauty of the faith then, if that's the case, or something in your life has given you that experience that says, this is all toxic, you know, and is shrouded, even if he did have a, glim a glimmer of that hope before, that it just stamped it out. And so I, I feel for those people because they haven't witnessed the very reason for our faith. You know, they, they haven't witnessed who Jesus is. You know, they haven't witnessed the things that we find so attractive to it. You know, and we find it to be a little like, how could you not? You know, where they're like, how could you? 
you know, and and that per- perception can be so damaging to um, their ability to see what it is we're trying to share with them. Because if we're passing this beautiful Bible, for example, like, look at this Bible. This is beautiful. They're going to look at that and be like, and we have no idea why they would shrug that up. Be like, I'm right. handing this to you for free. And they'd be like, right. get that away from me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to reach those people mm-hmm. with, without. Actually, I, I can't say that I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had close calls where I've had, you know, encounters with people in that realm um, where they had a maybe a shimmer of wanting to come back. You know, I tell story of El Guapo, you know, and uh, he actually messaged me just a, maybe a month ago, you know, and he said, hey, we should get a beer sometime. And I was like, yeah, man. And oh, he asked me if we could do it that Thursday. And I was like, I, I can't do it on Thursday, but next Thursday I can. He never got back to me. So I was like, Ugh. so <laughs> after, and now we're in, we're in lockdown. So this was just before lockdown. But um uh, when restaurants open back up again, I'm going to shoot them another message. Um, Dude, drive out to Niagara County. <laughs> Just go for it. Might as well. I should. Actually, it's a good point. Speaking of that, we're, we're doing that with young, some of the young adult court team today. Mm, nice. uh, we were going to go rock climbing, but oh, it's uh, uh, another story. But up there at Shawnee and, and – or no, Robinson. And, wait, where is it? Niagara Falls Boulevard by St. Jude's? No, we're going up to uh, New York Beer Project. The place is great, by the way. I love it there. Yeah, yeah it's nice. I it's like it there, nice. too. So, anyways, those people, man, my heart goes out to because they're, I think, the hardest to reach. And I don't know how to do it, you know. And But when I see them and I have that opportunity, like, I, I try to engage them. But I can't say I have a stellar impact on it. But, but we're not... Actually, Father Paul said this, and I forgot who he attributed the quote to. Maybe it was St. Teresa. That we're not called to success. We're just called to be faithful. And um, we're going to fail at evangelizing and bringing people to the faith. That's true. And we're probably going to have high rates of failure with that. Um, But we're not. This isn't a marketing campaign. We're not sitting here in some focus group. You know, like this isn't a focus group where we're like, all right, guys, we're going to yeah, take notes. Yeah, Oh, I'm sorry. But it's just a matter of letting the Lord work in us, right? And he's got, he's got his focus groups up there being like, all right, how do, how do, we, how do we get this mm-hmm. and that? You know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a higher paycheck than I can get. Uh, but the Lord is the mover, right? And, um, I don't know how. I don't think the church knows the how. Right? That's how we're asking it. We're sitting here flailing around in the wind. Um, I think as a as a as a church, as a diocese, trying to figure out the answers to all this. Like if we had the answer, we would sit here and be like, "Well, there's the answer." But honestly, the answer is probably very simple of just going out there and and being bold about it and being brave. You know, just preaching the word. Um, Maybe that works and maybe it doesn't, but we can expect failure for sure. We're not alone, by the way. I mean, so the, the, those millennials and the nuns, and uh, it's not just a Catholic thing. Mm-hmm. It's across the board. Yeah. Judaism, other Christian denominations. Yeah. 
which is why I think like now, like, I mean, always, but now more than ever is like a, a time for us to really think about unity. Um, it's been something that's really on my heart. Um, like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the John 17 movement. Um, John 17 is all about um, uh, Jesus being in union with the Father and then all people being in union with Jesus. Um, and it's kind of about like the unity in the church. John 17 movement is about um, taking like people of all different Christian denominations and not like saying like we are now going to have like absolute doctrinal unity, but we're going to sit down and talk to each other as like fellow human beings and fellow children of Christ. Um, And like, I think just like, like as Christians, as religious people, we should just present a united front of like that love and that like solidarity with other human beings. Like, I went on this service trip last year to Wheeling, West Virginia, um, which is, like, a very poor area. Um, and, like, we didn't really, like, set out to, like, convert anyone or, like, you know, do anything like that. We were just there to, like, listen to people. Like, we just, like, we we would go into a homeless shelter and we would sit down and we would share a table with homeless people and we would just talk to them. And, like, you could see their eyes light up when you talk to them because, like, these people were very clearly desperate for someone to just talk to. They just wanted someone to talk to them and recognize their human dignity. And, like, that's, that's I think, one of the first steps, too. Like, even with, like, you know, people who are really abrasive. I mean, there was a guy, I remember, um, uh, my friend was talking to this guy on me, like, they were sitting like next to each other and then like my friend got up and like walked away and i came over to him i was like oh hey like what happened and he was like oh man like i brought up catholicism and then he started getting really angry uh he's like yeah i'd I'd stay away from him so naturally i went over and talked to him um and like he was very he was very angry and he had a very hard life um and like i can't say that i like changed his heart like forever but like i just kind of like tried to witness and be like you know ask him questions about like who he is and like you know back off when need be and you know just kind of like i don't know like by the end of it he did make like a comment that like you know like i don't know he said something like if you pray for something three times like god will grant it to you or something like that i don't know he said something like that i think it was a quote from a televangelist at some point um but he was like he's like i want you to believe that and i was like "I, i i believe you william um and yeah it was i don't know like i think just the ministry of presence is so important for no matter where someone is in that sort of um, the three-story house, right? Like no matter where they are, even if they're a fellow Catholic, you know, like just like, again, recognizing humanity is like the first step before most other things. Yeah, I like couldn't agree more with that. I was going to say right when you said that, that like same thing has been so on my heart lately about the division and how like unity like I, I don't again I won't remember where but in the Bible I was reading and it just talks about unity so much with each other and it's like I hate that even not only in our world but then all of us as Christians who read the same Bible then also yeah. just fail to have that unity it's like what are we like what are we doing it just kind of feels like we all get s- stuck on like our own ways which like or in the Bible or like specific things and then someone interprets it differently and we just we just need to like divide, which like isn't the case. Like I guess it just feels like we all have to recognize we're all not gonna understand everything perfectly exactly until we die and like we need to 
just as God's children, like, come together better than we do. And I just, that's something that I try to make. I guess it's a personal preference, and I think it's something that, like, everyone could kind of debate their own opinion on. But, like, I, I've i just really been trying to make sure. Because even I notice when I get way too caught up on so many, which are important, don't get me wrong, but so many little things in the Bible and forget the big picture and, like, find myself disagreeing so often with so many of the people, which is fine. But then other people are like, oh, I feel judged. Like, I feel this. And it's like, we just need to make sure, like, like Amano said, like, unity is just, like, so important. And, like, especially in our world, like, if someone doesn't exactly agree with you, like, especially in Christianity, like, it's okay. Like, yeah. we're all just trying our best here. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, we're all trying our best. We're all trying to understand. And, like, God sees that. And I think it hurts him when we become so divided. It's like we're all not perfect in everything we think and believe and like it's just the way it is and this is something that might be kind of controversial but my mom has always told it to me since I was like younger it's just I've always kind of felt like yes religion is incredibly important but like kind of relationship over religion a little bit like like my relationship with God and my relationship with other people especially Christians but just in general and like going out into the world like every single day and asking God to use me as an instrument of love and however he wants to that day to have other people talk to me and see Jesus through me in any possible way even if they are atheists but like see love or see something that invites them more into like light and more into God and just like I guess stuff like that um is kind of my goal for this life is not to be a perfect well this is also important don't get me wrong but it's not to be a perfect pinpoint catholic like i want to like die and know that i reach as many people with christianity and with god's love as possible and maybe i wasn't the perfect catholic but like being in an amazing relationship with god and sharing jesus christ in the christianity goals you know what i mean i guess that's something that for me i've always found very important and also is more inviting to other people to come into the faith. And sometimes just, yeah. Sorry, oh no, I, I could tell you are gonna say something. I don't, I think I was done. No, one of the things that I hear a lot is that difference between the relationship and the religion. And I would say that the relationship is the why and the religion is the how. And I, I don't think that they're actually separate. And, but some people will make it separate and say like, nah, you know, like, I'm into the faith, and I think this is where the nuns kind of uh, congregate a little bit, is they they can maybe accept the the Jesus part, right? Like, of course, I'll have a uh, relationship with, with our God or with our deity, and maybe they'll kind of waft out there. Uh, but they certainly don't want to be tied into the religion aspect because I think that's where people draw a line and say, well, this is where this stuff goes wrong because they get caught up in the, you know, the scandals of the church and like, that's the religion piece. And we don't want anything to do with the religion piece. Um, so maybe to encourage those who have been in that realm of saying, you know what, I don't want religion to be a part of it, to maybe take another look at it um, and, and maybe throw off whatever they've had in the past that gave them a bad taste in their mouth, you know, of what religion could be, especially since, you know, the diocese is just starting to, you know, get the fire extinguishers out again and, you know, just 
you know, like, let's take care of the remaining embers here and right. how do we rebuild? You know, there's going to be a lot of people who have a bad taste in their mouth of, of religion, of the church, of just hierarchy and process and stuff like that. And just think of it in that way. And maybe just to encourage them to say, hey, look at it as a beautiful piece of your relationship that God instilled and gave us as a gift, you know, um, that maybe we've screwed up a few times, you know, but that that's our screwing up, right. not God's. Um, so maybe we can start wrapping this up because we're well over an hour here, um, which is great. I think this has been an awesome conversation. We could probably bat this around a lot more. Are um, you able to break this up into like two parts or you know, is, it, is it once we do it or? Once it, well, I suppose maybe I could. Um, or, or could I ask this? If, 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 if there's a an interest for this topic again, let us know. I mean, I'm all for doing a part two. I'm up for part yeah, two. <laughs> part two. Yeah. We love our part twos around here. So, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm game for that. Yeah. So, guys, thank you for just being authentic and coming to the table of just saying, hey, here's where we think this conversation's at, you know, just sharing your perspectives and, and your journey too. Uh, particular, your engagements with those in your life that you have witnessed to. Uh, so thanks for being a part of that. Brian, what are your... Yeah, Actually, no, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll diddle, echo it. Yeah, so maybe we can give everyone kind of a closing thought here um, before we kind of log off. So what, what are your closing thoughts here? Closing thoughts. Oh no. Closing it's a hard time. Question. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I think it's 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 very it's a very broad question, yeah. so it's like how do I how do I come up with an answer? <laughs> so as somebody who is watching right now, what would you want to tell them about this topic? Um, I guess just in summation, like just be there with the people that you are trying to reach, um, and just let God do the rest. I don't know. I guess for me, the main message I want to take away or kind of give out is just love and just making sure each day, like you make sure your priorities are kind of right and that love comes first and everything else kind of comes next to that and making sure you're giving that to people no matter what they believe out in the world and just asking God to use you each day however he wants and just making sure that that's kind of where your mindset stays And I like the idea of building up that relationship with, with God. It's as simple as, okay, God, I'm here. Awesome. Great. Well, hey, thank you for tuning in. Now, if there's any of these coffee talks that are worth sharing, this is one to share with your friends and your family. So um, pass this along however you can. Text, message, share it on your Facebook however you want to do it. That's awesome. But most importantly, thank you for tuning in. Subscribe, like. We do have our little giveaway here happening right now with these Bibles. You certainly want to get one of these copies. And if you can get one for free, all the better. But if you miss out on that, pick one up. Grab it. It's very fruitful. But even at the very least, just grab your Bible. Crack it open. Read it. But 
you know, it's a good thing to do. So, anyways, um, I think that's it. Amano Lauren, you want to close this in prayer? Sure. Sure. All right, I'll Wait. do. I'll do first half. You do second. All right. Great. All right. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today to discuss how to reach your most uh, your most disparate children. Um, we pray that these these Bibles be be fruitful, that our conversation help those that, that listen to it, and that we be better instruments of your love in the days to come. And I pray that we all remember your teachings and are able to go out into the world and share your love with other people, and that we can bring people of our world back to you how they should be, and that we can all remember to be inviting to those who need to be invited into your presence. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Great. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.